Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. chart 888-992-4278 welcome to invest talk this is our monday july 22nd 2019 edition of invest talk and things are moving fast as always this summer we're about halfway through the summer and i want you to give me a call i want to hear from you i want to know what's on your mind what are you thinking about while you're sitting at the pool or uh, relaxing at the beach enjoying the sun and the heat uh, I'm sure there's a lot in your mind. Uh, you probably have family and friends around you. You have uh, probably had some stock tips given to you, some advice, right? And our job here on Invest Talk is to give you some unbiased guidance. And you've come to the right place if that's what you're looking for. So I'm Justin Klein, and I hope you can give me a call with your investing questions today on Invest Talk. And when you do that, you will take charge of this show and shape it to your liking. And we host every day of Invest Talk with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. We're not Kramer. We're, we're not going to be screaming and yelling and, and uh, hitting buttons and sirens going off. That's not us, right? We're also not beholden to the interests of big banks, right? We don't, we're not tied to uh, a Morgan Stanley or a Merrill Lynch or uh, uh, an Edward Jones or something like that, right? So we're not just listening to some analyst upstairs that uh, has an opinion on a particular stock for whatever reason uh, they want to come up with that week, right? We're coming up with our opinions based on what we see, you know, the, the information that we have in front of us, the, the, the numbers, the, the industry dynamics, and where we see that company going in relation to the economic trajectory as well. And hopefully we share in your success or you share in our success because you're obviously going to be hearing our perspective uh, and our ideas across the market. Uh, on a consistent basis. So in this hour, I'm going to do my best to move you along your own personal path of financial freedom, right? Take that next step. And if you give our anytime listener line a call, 888-99-CHART, you can ask your question and we will get to it either live right now or maybe on a later show. So please give us a call, 888-99-CHART. Now, my main talking point today concerns the story that the five stocks that are the best performers since the 1969 moon landing. So these are companies that still remain today. I don't think we're including ones that started or went public after that date. But there's an amazing statistic, and that's in 50 years since Apollo 11, one stock has skyrocketed over 82,000%. 82,000%. That is the best performing stock since the 1969 moon landing. And I'm going to tell you what that is coming up as well as the uh, the next four 
And I think there's some lessons that can be taken from these statistics as well. Also, millennials all believe there's the best, there's this one best way to invest. And the answer is they are wrong. So if you're a millennial or you know a millennial, you probably want to hear this story because it's pretty interesting to see this survey. It's a survey from, uh, where was it? Survey from Bankrate, bankrate.com. I think this is going to be very, very interesting to discuss. Also, what type of retirement saver are you? There are two types, and we're going to get to what those are and what are the pros and cons of each. And then another story about how most of Americans, 56%, have no clue what they need to retire and why that is a big problem. So we're going to get to that as well. So those are on the docket for me today. And we have about ooh, uh, 45 minutes left in the show. So this show does go up high pretty fast. So I want you to give me a call. 888-989-CHART. 888-992-4278. Now let's look at the market today. We had small, co- small caps down slightly. The NASDAQ was, uh, the Qs were up about a little less than 1%. S&P was up No real major news. You know, we're still in the midst of earnings season, right? And there's a, there continues to be an expectation of a decline in earnings year over year. Uh, And it's a very busy, busy week for earnings. Uh, And, and I think you're going to have a much clearer picture after this week of where S&P earnings are going to be. Uh, are those expectations of negative 3% or so earnings growth year over year too optimistic or too pessimistic? Now, based on the first, I believe it was around 80 of this 500 S&P 500 companies, which would be less than 20%, that was much worse than, the results were much worse than expected. But once again, that's less than 20%. So to me, I need at least 40, 50% of the S&P 500 companies to report And then I can give you a better sense of whether that is optimistic, realistic, or pessimistic. So maybe this time, a week from now, next Monday, I'll have a better answer for you on that. So overall, Montesup Day, after a decent uh, down week last week, um, you know, the expectations are the Fed will cut rates this week. Uh, Wednesday, I believe, is the the meeting. And the big question is, is it going to be 25 basis points? Is it going to be... 50 basis points, and if you believe the recent news over the weekend, it's probably going to be the 25 basis points, and frankly, if you look at the S&P 500, still not quite at that 3,000 mark, but hovering around it, it, from a market perspective, it doesn't make sense for them to cut much, if at all, and so 25 basis points seems more realistic. Now, I've talked about this for a little while. The reason the Fed is cutting isn't because, you know, the economic numbers are, are terrible. They're not. They're not They're not good. I'll, I'll tell you that much, especially if you look uh, more globally. What it is is uh, the liquidity situation within the market is getting tight, mainly because of the federal deficit. And they're, they're going to need to monetize the deficit at some point. Otherwise, the liquidity within the system is going to get too scarce because all that liquidity is being taken out by the treasury market, where on gross this year, we're going to issue about $11 trillion in securities, $11 trillion in, in, in 
T-bills and uh, treasury bonds. And that's drawing from the private market. And that's really why the Fed is likely to lower rates, not only this week, but for the foreseeable future. Are we going to a phone call? Oh, we're going to go to a break. Uh, after the break, we're going to talk with John in Santa Cruz. So hold on, John. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And while no one can predict the movements of the markets, it's important for you in order to achieve financial freedom to be prepared for the market volatility that is inevitably going to come. So you need a balanced portfolio that fits your needs. And Steve and I can help you with that if you would like. He will be returning to San Jose on uh, July 31st. We, uh, we have a wait list now for that date, but uh, certainly uh, he'll be have future dates. He's going to be in uh, New York City on September 19th, but you can register for all of them at investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. We are almost through July. The markets have surprised more than a few experts. What might happen next, and will you be ready? Now, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. So Justin Klein is here, and he's taking your Invest Talk questions live. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz, looking at Geo Group, correct? Yes, sir. Um, okay. I own it. And this this is a REIT, going this down is a, a private prison REIT, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And okay. are you uh, looking to buy it? it? You want to sell it? You own it or what? I own it for the dividend. Okay. And uh, uh well, a little concern. Yeah. You're concerned that's uh, gone down. down. And do you do you want to know why uh, all the prison private prison stocks have started to go down recently? Yeah. <laughs> yes. But do you know why it's happening? No, I don't. Okay. Well, basically, there's political. This is a very political uh, issue here. Uh, and basically, what it is 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 Congress, Congress, uh, those uh, in the Democratic Party that are putting pressure on pension funds to get out of investing in the private prison business. Uh, and, and obviously, and you're talking about public pension funds uh, mainly. And so that has driven this value of Geo Group as well as, uh, that's a GEO is a symbol, as well as CXW, uh, Core Civic, all down pretty dramatically over the past uh, month or so. So that's really what's driving these stocks down. And you have to ask the main question, is this, a change in their business, or is this simply driven by political wins, right? Uh, and to me, I, I don't see a, a change in their business. Now, obviously, the potential and likely legalization of cannabis here in the United States over the next, uh, say, two to six years <clears throat> is fairly likely. And how much is that going to impact their business? I think to a minor degree, I, I, I don't, I think. For the most part, uh, there's you know there's there's not a whole lot of uh, prisoners in their systems that uh, you know are in there because of marijuana position or selling marijuana. Um, certainly, there are some, but it's not the majority of their business or anything like that. So, uh, but it is probably the biggest headwind to their business, kind of longer term. 
uh, and, and a and a restructuring of the prison system, which I do think in, in some some ways um, is needed. Uh, but you can talk about uh, politically. That is what's driving it in the near term. However, is simply. Uh, the political pressure from Congress for the pension funds to dump these stocks. And to me, it presents an opportunity as an investor, and and I don't think this is a, a material change to their business. So it's a buying opportunity. I do, yes. I do think it's a buying opportunity. And if you look at uh, both CXW, CXW had pretty high volume today, uh, as well as Geo Group, and I think this was kind of an inflection point, at least in the near term, as to uh, you know selling climax and and likely at least a near term bottom. Now, how how, you know, how high it goes if it goes back to where we were in in late June, uh, you know I, I'm not sure, but clearly there's been an exodus by pension funds out of these names, uh, and, and simply because of political reasons and nothing to do with their business. Thanks for the call, John. That was Geo Group. G E O is the symbol, and then Core Civic is C X W. It's pretty crazy, you know. We're in a we're in a very divisive time uh, in American politics. You're either extreme right and extreme or extreme left. Uh, me, I'm probably somewhere in the middle, uh, and frankly, I think most people are. Most of of, of the country is, uh, but it doesn't prevent both sides of the aisle from creating havoc and taking extreme positions on all types uh, of issues. And this is just uh, the latest one. Now let's take a quick look at some important numbers for today. The 10-year Treasury notes uh, was a little bit higher at 2.036%, as well as the 30-year Treasury at 2.548%. Foreign money flow into the U.S. uh, was pretty hot a few years ago, especially from the Chinese. But it's down 88% in three years, from $46 billion to about $5 billion now. That's one of the large reasons why I think the the, the residential real estate market is struggling, uh, both here, especially in Vancouver. Vancouver, Canada, doing very, very poor uh, there because Chinese are not investing quite as much for various reasons. Uh, and same with the United States uh, stock market. You know, uh, while it's the cleanest dirty shirt, Uh, Clearly, money and wealth from China is not flowing back over here as well as it used to. So that's an interesting statistic that everyone should keep an eye on. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I want to hear from you. Ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. We've seen new highs in the markets, but that could change. This is Invest Talk, and now more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. So Steve Peasley is returning to San Jose, California on July 31st. Then, on September 19th, Steve will be in New York City to conduct his no-cost, personalized portfolio reviews. If you live anywhere in the New York area, mark September 19th on your calendar and register early at investtalk.com. But now, Justin Klein is here taking your calls live. Step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to John in Livermore looking at ACB, which is Aurora Cannabis, correct? Yeah, that's correct. You're looking to buy it? 
Um, I actually, I have some stock, um, but just, you know, been reading a lot about um, the recent pressure on that market, and I feel like everything's like 50% one way, 50% the other, trying to get some kind of read on what's happening there. Well, this is Aurora Cannabis. It has about a $6.5 billion market cap, which for a company that did $65 million in sales last quarter and didn't make money, uh, that's a pretty generous valuation, right? They lost $0.18 cents a share. Uh, they've been kind of going back and forth between making money and losing money. Uh, this is a Canadian-based company uh, located in Vancouver, British Columbia, and they are engaged in the production and distribution of medical cannabis. Do you know if they're in the United States as well or just Canada? No, I believe they're they're one of the few giants that are in like 25 different countries other than the United States at this point. Ah, got it. Okay. Well, their revenues are certainly growing fast, but they're not becoming profitable. That's a little bit of a worry. Uh, certainly, this space is hyped, right? The the medical marijuana space, or, or just the marijuana space in general, uh, as it's become legal uh, in Canada, likely, like I said, here in the next two to six years, and in many other countries throughout the world. So it, it's certainly a secular trend to where the, there's a lot of companies that are going to make money and turn a, a black market into a, a, a market that's fully regulated, uh, taxed, and can grow out in the open and have public companies like we have now. So you you have a lot of hype, and clearly this is a name that's gone from twenty cents back in two thousand sixteen all the way to six dollars and seventy two seventy three cents at the close today. So it's come a long way, price wise. And the big question is, will the business catch up to that valuation? And in a lot of ways, it, it, it's a crapshoot. I don't know enough about Aurora Cannabis to tell you whether it's going to, but their growth has not turned into uh, profits, which is what worries me the most. Now, technically, it has pulled back from kind of that $10 mark in, uh, earlier this year to the 100 week moving average, which previously back in July of last year, as well as December of last year, it it found a lot of support at that level. So you have a lot of support here around this 650, 675 mark. Now I would use an out, I would use a stop of $6. If it trades below $6, that's telling me it's decisively broken that 100 week moving average and it's going to reprice, meaning it's not going to be worth six and a half billion dollars, and it's not going to trade at fifty-four times revenue. It's going to repipe price to something that's more realistic and probably something more like two or three dollars, right? So I would just simply use that out. It could be a big winner. I don't know about the specific specifics of the company. We have one cannabis company in our uh, client portfolios, and it is not this one. It has a lower valuation, and we think much better upside. So uh, I, I don't love the name. But it's a secular trend, and you need to have a very long-term time horizon for uh, this space because it's going to take many, many years, if not a decade plus, for this to, to, to really uh, grow into its valuation. Thanks for the call. Now, my main talking point concerns the story, the five stocks that are best performers since the 1969 moon landing. Obviously, we're just past the 50-year anniversary of the moon landing, and the best performing stock since then has been actually McDonald's 82,000% return, which just goes to show you that 
if you have distribution, if you have a simple product and you know how to make money off of it, you can steadily grow into a global behemoth and that's really what McDonald's has done. It doesn't need to be a fancy business, an exciting business. It can be a simple business and a lot of times the simple businesses have the best return. So think of it that way. Then next is Lowe's, 70,000% since the 1969 moon landing. So just behind the 82,000 from McDonald's. And to me, this is a story of small caps. Lowe's back then was extremely small, less than a million dollars a year in sales back in 1969. And so you're going from a very small revenue base, small market cap into something that's obviously much, much bigger. Number three, Altria, 49,000%. Once again, simple business, regulated to a lot of degree, but uh, an addictive one. So, you know, can you say that's not a great uh, for, for society? Sure, but it's a simple business. Next, Hasbro, 43,000%. Boys, boys, licensing brands, right? They're good at licensing brands, Disney brands, uh, Marvel comic brands, etc., and selling them for strong markets. So, so to me, that, that lesson there are strong brands. And same with number five, which is Disney, 40,000%. Pretty crazy that Hasbro actually beat out Disney for that spot because they sell more brands. Pretty interesting takes, I think. Now, on tomorrow's Invest Talk, the story, one analyst claims the so-called bang stocks are better placed than the already peaked fang stocks. We're going to talk about that tomorrow, but I want to hear from you right now at 888-99-CHART. Your typical workday can be very busy. Assignments, appointments, responsibilities, obligations. Sometimes you start early and end late. For that reason alone, you may already be looking to the future, to a period when your money, your accumulated assets are working for you and ultimately creating financial freedom. There are many voices suggesting financial planning services, but there's one company, one firm that offers a balanced variety of strategically designed investment plans. One firm that applies decades of experience to enable a client personalized collaboration. One firm that can show you how to optimize an investment portfolio that fits your lifestyle objectives and risk tolerance limitations. One firm that speaks with a clear, logical, and unbiased voice. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com. This is Invest Talk. Summer is moving fast, and your path to financial freedom begins with the right strategy. You've got questions? Steve and Justin have answers. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, this is Rob from San Jose. I'm the not-so-proud owner of BGS, and I've been watching it kind of creep down for the last couple of years. I was wondering what exit criteria you all have for that particular stock. When should I think about getting out? Thanks. I'll listen to the answer on the podcast. Bye. All right. Looking at B, B&G Foods, and uh, this is another one. Uh, though this is, I would say, no, this is one that uh, I agree. We, you know, we've uh, taken some pain on, on this one. This is a, a packaged food company, 
and about a $1.2 billion market cap, but that's come down dramatically. Uh, it was at $50. We didn't buy it near, nearly that high. Uh, but that was back in 2016 when it was there. Now we're at under $20, $18.83. So it's down uh, over 60% since then. And this is a company. I'll tell you the background of this company since so we invested it, so I really understand what they do. Is they they have a lot of different brands. Uh, they used to own Pirates Booty. They bought uh, Jolly Green Giant from I forget who it was from, but they, they bought that brand. That made them fairly uh, much much bigger. Took on some debt, but that's kind of what they do, right? They they borrow money. They buy brands at attractive valuations. They kind of restructure it, uh, put in their distribution pipeline and try to increase the profits over time. Tech typically not a, a big grower uh, when it comes to, to revenue, but they do pay a consistent dividend. Now the dividend yield is now 10% because of the price decline. And they, they recently sold Pirate's Booty, I believe to Hershey's, uh, if I remember correctly. And that's going to reduce their balance sheet, reduce the, the, the debt in their balance sheet, which is a positive, um, but it's also going to reduce the revenue uh, some and there could be a repricing there. But for, for us, we don't see that valuation problem because EBITDA is still near an all-time high, $377 million in trailing 12-month EBITDA, and that's the highest that it's ever been. So even though the stock is you know still kind of languishing down here in the high teens now, the fundamentals remain relatively robust. Now, operating cash flow isn't at all-time high, but that's because, once they, like I said, they sold some brands, uh, there's some been some margin compression, but but overall, there's still a cash flow positive business, right? Last quarter, they had $41 million in free cash flow. That's after paying out their dividend, which is fairly high, okay? So, payout ratio is 74%, cash dividend payout ratio 88%, certainly on the high side, but not to a level where we see any major issues. So for us, it's a, it's really a fundamental, if we see EBITDA really drop for any particular uh, reason besides a divestiture, then we'll, we'll, see, we'll have an out there. But for, for us, this is a value play. It's only trading at seven and a half times enterprise value to EBITDA, which is uh, definitely on the low side. It's at valuations last seen since 2009. So just like any valuation play, you're going to have to be patient. Uh, sometimes you take losses in the near term. But for us, if you're collecting that dividend, which to us seems safe, uh, at least in the near term, uh, then you're you're getting a nice 10% dividend while you're waiting for the sentiment on the name to, to reverse. And that's really what the market's all about when it comes to value. Usually it's companies have low valuations because the sentiment is very poor. And it's all about when that sentiment turns and when that sentiment turns, the market reprices them into something that is more reasonable. Let's go to Michael in Fremont looking at BKIT. Looking to buy it? I uh, was, was uh, wondering if it's uh, considered a good opportunity or not. Okay, BKIT, let me Hello? look this up. Is this, is this Biohemp International? Yeah, it was uh, right around two or close to two before that it dropped. Okay, so, so this is a penny stock. This is trading at 38 cents mm -hmm. a share. And let me go to chart that I can get a better sense of some price history here. This is a penny stock. Its market cap is under a billion dollars. Yeah. I don't see any revenue. Do 
you know if they have any revenue? No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. Wh why are you looking at the stock? Uh, someone mentioned it to me. Okay, so it's a stock tip. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, this is just gambling. Yeah. You know what they? They're Biohemp International engaged distribution and, con uh, and consumption. Uh, distribution of consumer hemp and cannabinoids, so CBD. So they're a CBD uh, distributor. And I, I don't know anything about the business. I have no numbers on it. It's a penny stock. It's just a complete gamble crapshoot. Typically, uh, 99 out of 100 of these are either frauds or uh, just simply bad businesses. So uh, I, I don't really know where this stock came from. It's probably a product of a reverse merger. If I'm looking at it correctly, I'd have to look at the history of the name. But it's absolutely 1,000% not something I would ever be buying. Thanks for the call, Michael. Let's go to Bain in or no, yeah, Bain in Seattle, talking about buying a home. Yes, hi. So I'm closing on How's buying a house, and within this okay. month, and I get to choose to lock the interest rates right now, or I can wait. I know the Feds are about to have a meeting. I think on the thirtieth of this month. Um, mm -hmm. If they lower the interest rates. Um, is it, what's that going to happen um, with the interest on my loan? And is it already okay. priced in or should I wait? What do you think? You, you just answered your question. Uh, and the answer is yes. Typically, uh, <laughs> the rate hikes are priced in well before the Fed ever actually lowers rates, right? And, and and when I say it's priced in, it's priced into the treasury market, which is typically what drives the mortgage rate. So, and you've seen that recently, right? The 10-year treasury was at 3.3, call it three and a quarter back in November, October, November of last year. And the mortgage rate was around 5%, the 30-year mortgage rate, maybe slightly lower. Now we're at 2.04%. On the 10-year Treasury, and now the mortgage rate you're probably getting three and three quarters, 3.8, right? Um, I'm doing some points, so I brought it down to 3.75. Okay, yeah. So you know you're in the high three. So you can see that correlation with the 10-year Treasury market and the 30-year mortgage market. So. This is a lot mainly been priced in there. The market's already pricing in two to three cuts uh, so far. If by the end of the year, now if that goes a lot further, then you could see the treasury market go go lower um, and be reflected ultimately in mortgage rates. Now the Fed has already opened the door for negative rates. They've talked about going beyond the zero bound. That's what uh, Federal uh, Federal Reserve Chairman uh, Jerome Powell has had mentioned earlier this year in a testimony. And <clears throat> to me, this is opening the doors to eventually go to negative rates. Now, do I see that right around the corner? I don't. But if you're looking to buy a house, most of the the, the cuts for the the foreseeable future till the end of the year are priced into the market. So I don't see much downside for the mortgage rate, at least in the near term, unless the, the economy more broadly gets much weaker than it is right now. So I wouldn't worry too much about that, and I would lock in that. Thanks for the call, Bain. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I hope you are making the right choices with the money in your 401k. And I know it's hard to 
invest in your 401k, right? You get a list of mutual funds. It gives you the last year performance, three years, five years, 10 years. And it's really up to you to go about creating that allocation, right? How much in this fund, how much in that fund. And luckily for you, KP Financial has launched a program called Active 401k. It will monitor and advise you based on current market conditions, fees in your funds, past performance of those funds relative to their peer group, and your personal risk tolerance. So what it does is it makes quarterly recommendations on how you should invest your 401k and then you go and make the changes yourself. So it's called Active 401k and you can read more about it at investtalk.com. But now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And KPP principal and Invest Talk host, Steve Peasley is pleased to announce that he will be returning to San Jose, California on July 31st to conduct his no-cost, wealth-building portfolio review consultations. If you're a serious investor, and if you live anywhere in Northern California, you should make plans now to sit down in person with Steve. He can review your portfolio and show you how to optimize its performance so you can achieve financial freedom. Appointments are limited, so don't delay. Wednesday, July 31st, Steve Peasley returns to San Jose. Register now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open and your calls are welcome. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We have 10, 12 minutes left in the show. So give your, pick up your phone, give us a call, ask your question for the end. Now, Let's talk a little bit about a recent survey by bankrate.com. And they asked a thousand Americans what they consider the best way to invest their money was if they won't need it for 10 or more years. So relatively long-term uh, investment. And real estate was the most popular response chosen by 31% of respondents. And young people actually... At the highest, highest percentage, 36% say real estate is the best long-term investment options. What was interesting was millennials thought 18, uh, zero risk cash investment, CDs, high yield money market accounts, etc., were the second best investment. And while the stock market took third place at 16% of respondents. And I, I, I've talked about this a little bit, but I think it's, it, it is important to have some perspective on yourself. And this is a good example of that. And many people or most people are colored by their experiences, especially in their formative years, in their, in, in their teens, in their 20s and 30s. And those years are what shape your viewpoint on various types of investments, right? Because you're learning about the world, you're learning what, how to be successful, and you typically latch on to those things that work during those times. When in reality, there are very long-term cycles of certain asset classes doing very well and certain ones not doing so, so well. 
right? The bond market is a great example. For 30 years, from the early 80s into uh, just recently, bond prices have basically only gone up, right? Because of the Fed easing, because of interest rates dropping so much. And so they've done very well. And that has also been a big boon for other asset prices, right? Because the cost of money is the most important factor when it comes to valuation of any asset that's out there, right? And so there have been a big boon in equities, especially in the 90s, right? When you had uh, really consistent growth, you had the, the rise of technology and consistent growth in the economy, and that drove the values of stocks much, much higher through the 90s, and especially the baby boomers. Baby boomers, they were really making a lot of money during that time. They were they were in their 30s and 40s, and they crushed it. And so there are a lot of baby boomers who really love stocks, right? They're very into the stock market, and that's because they're colored by that time frame. Even though recently, you go back the last 15, 20 years or so, Stocks haven't done that great, right? We've been in a secular, you could call it bear market from 2000 into 2000, I don't know, eight, nine. Uh, some say from on a inflation adjustment basis, we're still in it. But you can see that that period has colored kind of the millennial generation to be weary of stock prices and buy more into real estate when the Fed has continued to push zero interest rate policy. And though we had the crash, it came back quickly because of the low interest rates. And so it's very important for everybody to have some self-reflection and understand that even you, you have been colored. Your view of different assets have been colored to the performance during your formative years. And so it's important to have the perspective and to have an open mind that, yes, maybe the type of investment that did well in your 20s and 30s, while it did well then, it may not do as well over the next 10 or 15 years. And you need to have an open mind to what that other possibility could be. Now we're going to keep it moving and we can fit another caller question in that came in earlier concerning ETFs. Hi, Steve. My name's Mike. I'm a longtime listener. I listen to your Invest Talk podcast. I'm new at investing. I only have about $1,000, and I've learned that you, sh- uh, you told me you, I should um, invest in ETFs, commission-free. Just uh, have the question, how many different ETFs should I invest in? Uh, should I invest in one? Should I invest in uh, five? So uh, it'd be great to hear your answer on podcast and uh, have a great day. Thank you. All right. Great question. Love to hear new listeners, new investors getting excited about investing. We're going to have to go to a quick break. I'm going to the last break. And after the break, I'm going to answer that caller's question. But as we go to the break, here's some market, a market trivia question for today. We always talk about the S&P 500 on Invest Talk, but what is the S&P and when was it created? I'll have that answer next as well as the answer to that caller's question. But for now, I'm Justin Klein and I'm ready to take your questions going into our last segment at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, one analyst claims the so-called bang stocks are better plays than the already peaked Fang stocks. Is he right? That story tomorrow. 
But now Justin is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. So before the break, I asked the market trivia question. We talk about the S&P 500 every day on Invest Talk, but what is the S&P and when was it created? Well, it's an American stock market index based on the market capitalization of the 500 large large companies listed on the NYC, NASDAQ, and CBOE exchange. Now, it was originally called the Composite Index back in 1923 when it was first created, and it was only tracking a small number of stocks. Three years later, 1926, it expanded to 90 stocks, and in 1957, it expanded to its current level of 500 stocks, and it's market cap weighted. So the percentage, the highest percentage is the largest company uh, that's in the exchange uh, or with... I think it's now Microsoft or it could be Apple. One of those two. They typically, they kind of go back and forth with Exxon, et cetera. So though that's, a, that's the S&P 500. Now let's get to the caller question that was before the break. And it was a new one, a uh, new, new investor. And talking about investing in ETFs. And the question is, should you invest in one ETF or should you invest in multiple? And I'm going to say you should invest in multiple. Now, some will argue you're going to get instant diversification by buying, say, SPY, right? The S&P 500 ETF. And you're going to get strong instant diversification. And that's certainly true. But I think it's better to me when you're a new investor and you're putting money to work, you want to start learning about different asset classes, how different asset classes move against one another, how dividends from equity ETFs as well as bond ETFs work, right? And so I would be investing in multiple. Uh, I would be investing in foreign ETFs and having a a little bit uh, across different asset classes, REITs, commodities, right? Especially right now with gold and precious metals, silver, et cetera. I'd definitely have some exposure there. I'd have some foreign market exposure, both developed as well as emerging market. And then I'd have some bond exposure, both corporate bonds as well as treasury bonds. And I would look for ETFs and develop a a, a portfolio, a diversified portfolio, depending on your risk tolerance. And you'll notice the ones that have higher risk tolerance, higher volatility, Go to simply go to Morningstar.com. Look at the historical volatility of these ETFs, not just over the past year or three years. I'm talking 10, 15, 20 years. Many of them now have been around for long that long. So have a broad understanding, get a broad understanding of various types of ETFs, various asset classes, so you learn as much as possible. And that's really what your formative investing years are all about. It's not about making the most money. It isn't. It's about learning the most, understanding your path, your particular type of investment strategy that works for you and your personality as well as your particular goals. And uh, it's it's that's what it's really all about. And if you can invest in multiple mutual funds, you'll be better off. Now let's get to a story about what type of retirement saver you are. This is a good one to close. There's two types of retirement savers, and that's those that are very active and they opt into their 401k. They tend to uh, invest. Uh, they, they tend to take 
action when it comes to raising their deferral so they can save more, kind of up to that 10 or 15% range where they should be as opposed to the default people who are the other type of retirement savers who just allow their company to default them into the retirement plan. They don't even think about it. It just goes into a targeted fund, uh, defers 3% or 4% of their pay and they just don't think about it, right? So there's a lot of those that are just more passive. And that's typically the two type of investors. And it's been shown that the more active ones, the ones that opt in more, they pay more attention, they they up their percentage, they're more successful at reaching their longer term goals. And this is what the study shows, okay? And that's why I always say, don't sit there and just think that your 401k provider or your company knows how to plan for you because odds are they don't. They're just going with kind of a one size fits all type of approach, which covers their, you know what, but it's not usually the best for you as an individual. So it's your job to figure out what type of strategy, what type of investment, what type of salary deferral based on uh, your goals as well as based on company match is best for you. So don't be a passive retirement saver, be an active one. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Please come back tomorrow. Steve will be here and I return on Thursday. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.